Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, Iowa? And what's up, Penn State week? It's going to be a good week. I know. Well, I guess it has has and will be. Good weekend. Has been a good week. Going to be a good weekend. Uh, three, four, five. What, what is three, four, five? Number three versus number four, both five and oh. Three, four, five, six, because one of them will walk away six and oh. There you go. Love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I am very excited for this game. And I feel like there is typically a decent amount riding on the Iowa-Penn State game. I I shouldn't say always. I mean, that's more of the like Iowa-Iowa State game is the always something riding on it. But um, I was also reading an article um, from Chad Listicow, Listicow, Listico. I don't really know how to say his last name. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> all of them. Anyway, really like his work. I think he's a fantastic reporter for the Hawks. But he um, was just kind of writing a preview article over the Penn State-Iowa game. And he was talking about how the Iowa-Penn State game in a few different years has been, first of all, kind of like a standout game. And second, that it's a breakthrough game. Breakthrough. A breakthrough game for a few different teams. First of them, uh, first of them being 2000. It was the, as he said, it the rise from the ashes um, in the KF era. They started at two and 18, and really turned it around after that um, Penn State win. Then you go to 2002. It was an overtime win, team led by Brad Banks, and then led them to the Big Ten Championship. One thing I want to point out: that's only two years, two years apart, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, 2000. Two and 18. 2002, Big Ten Championship. Crazy. <laughs> so 2004, this one's actually kind of a tearjerker. Um, Coach Ferentz had actually buried his father. Um, I believe it was that week. And he was a native of Pennsylvania. And they wow. ended up winning at Penn State. Um, huge win for him. And I guess there's some video out there. Look at me. I'm like already a little emotional. I'm assuming you couldn't get yourself to watch it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to watch it. Um, after they won, him and James, his son, like hugging and some tear-filled hugs on the sideline. Um, was I'm, not going to look that one up. As you say, I'm kind of getting emotional. Just go to the next one. <laughs> okay. That was 2004. Big win. 2008. They, we all know this one. I feel like the last second field goal by Daniel Murray to beat 9-0 and Penn State. They were 9-0 and at the time. So here we are. 5-0, and oh, both of us. But this is just the third time in the Ferentz era that they've started 5-0. and oh. I was kind of surprised by that stat. Well, it's it's because of the high level and the high consistency of a KF coached Iowa football team. I think that's probably why it's as shocking as it is. Would you say that this is the biggest game in recent history in Kinnick Stadium? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's top five. Okay. It's definitely up there. I, I'm biased. So 2015 against Purdue to seal the Big Ten West. We could be talking about anything and you'd be like, well, back in 2015. Which is weird because it's six years ago. I know that feels it feels like yesterday. And yes, it does. Kind of crazy. But I would say the reason I asked that is I would say this is in recent history, the biggest game in Kinnick Stadium. It's the first time since 1985 that we've had two top five teams going head to head That's awesome. in Iowa City. 1985. That was, uh, that was Jim Harbaugh, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, yeah. Number one, Iowa. Number two, Michigan, I believe. Yeah. So both times Harbaugh stepped into Kinnick, he's left with an L. Yeah. No wonder he's so bitter. <laughs> it must be the khakis. They're too tight. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably it. (laughs) Penn State is on a nine-game win streak. We are on an 11-game win streak. And get this, 10 of the last 11 wins in double digits. Well, even last year, two teams bowed out, including Michigan, Mm. because they didn't want to play us. Right. Think about that for a second. You know what I say about that? Spencer Petras. Clap, 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 clap. Just saying. I'm just saying. He's, He's led our team to 11 wins in a row. Not too shabby. Just saying. CJ I'm not did 12, saying. So. Okay, with the 15, I'm <laughs> done with you. He did 12. I mean, we went 12 and 0 in 2015. Oh, yeah. I Cheapers. Sorry. Well, I'm thinking. Forget. I don't know how many prior to that. I was thinking 11 and 0, maybe because I was just. Anyway, doesn't matter. I know you went undefeated. Everybody gets it. Well, it was regular season. We know. Postseason, we did not win. <laughs> You don't have to do that. Sorry. Um, You know I like to talk about mascots. You know this about me. Let's do it. The Nittany Lion mascot. I just, we got to talk about him. It's one of the worst mascots I've ever seen. But he's got some moves. You remember that video? Yeah. Okay. That wasn't him. That wasn't him. Who was it then? It was the Cougar. I think it was BYU. Ah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. I messed up. Yeah. You want to talk about dance team and mascots with me? It's not a Penn State mascot. Okay. Come on. Anyway, the Nittany Lion has to be one of the worst, right? He doesn't even wear anything. They just, they were like, here's a lion costume. And what should, well, he doesn't have 1940. He doesn't have anything Penn State on. And they're like, well, what should we put on him? I don't know. A scarf? Yeah, sure. What if it's hot out? The scarf, it always works. That's all he wears. It's the only Penn State (laughs) thing he has on. It annoys me. I don't know why. Anyway, they need a new one desperately, but I think Penn State is just all about tradition, and I get it. It's fine. I say they don't have anything on their helmets, nothing on the jersey. <sighs> anyway, the Nittany Lion, he's actually just like an average mountain lion. Do you know that? I did not. They've had a lot of different variations of I can lions. Imagine. Yeah, they had like a regular like African lion, you know, like King of the Jungle type thing. Okay. Um, and then they had other types of lions but now they settled on the nittany at some point i believe it was like the early 1900s oh they finally settled in the 1900s i'm sorry it was the late 1900s like 1990 it was actually 1990 yeah sorry there we go well i got my notes mixed up a little bit i get a little frazzled you got me talking about byu and the dancing cougar and yeah my bad let's get back to it another representation of Penn State, James Franklin, their head coach. How is that segue? Is it okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just okay. Yeah. Um, 
I got to give you props here because I think he's listening to you. How so? I think he's listening to our podcast because in his uh, pregame, well, midweek press conference. Well, technically it's before the game. Yeah, either one. He said that turnovers and explosive plays are the keys to winning the game. He's definitely checking out Believe in Iowa football. I know. And it's like, you can't steal our stuff, Ugh. James. Coach Franklin, can't Ugh. call him by his first name. <laughs> no, not a – the whole thing with – I don't know if you remember. I think it was Georgia State. I don't know if it was a couple of years ago. I think it was like 2019 or something. They were up 56 to nothing, mm-hmm. and Georgia State was going to kick a field goal at the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. And Coach Frank, uh, James Franklin iced their kicker so what? that way they could keep the shutout. Oh. It was 56 to nothing at that time, <laughs> which, mm-hmm. I mean – That bothered you? Well – Yes and no. I feel like there's times for – think about this. We were a big on Maryland, right? Mm-hmm. It was fourth and like six, and we easily could have kicked a field goal, and KF sends the offense out there. We run a play. We just run a running play, mm-hmm. which is kind of like we know we won. Here's the ball kind of thing. Yeah. So it's just a differing of opinions, I guess. You would call that classy football. I'm going to stick by KF's decision in that posi- – in that. <laughs> I got a question. Little off topic, but kind of on topic of what we're discussing right now. What was your opinion on the Broncos Ravens Ravens game? Well, that whole ending situation. So the Broncos were mad because the Ravens were trying to tie a 48 game streak of 100 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. So that's got history to it. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's an isolated shutout that you beat up on a lower team. Mm-hmm. This is the NFL. You don't rush for 100 yards, 48 straight games very often. Uh, I think it, they're tied like with the Steelers, I want to say, for uh, – I forget what year the Steelers – what years the Steelers did it, but it was a long time ago. But uh, Vic Fangio was mad, and he was like, they should have just taken a knee. There was like 10 seconds left, and instead the Ravens ran their quarterback because they needed three more yards. Got it. Kept with the record. But so Vic Vangio is mad. And then John Harbaugh, I think, came back and said something like, there's no such thing as a 16-point touchdown or a 17-point touchdown, which is what they were trying to do. The Broncos were. So I don't know. I, I, I'm i probably going to side with the Ravens on that because that's history. Like well, that's a once-in-a-career kind of thing. I know. And there's something about seeing the Broncos head coach. It was like he was almost in tears. I was like, oh, I didn't see the interview. I just I'm saw not, the quote. I'm not going to say he was in tears, but it was just felt a little like, you know, at that point you lost. It's you're all right. You're also in the NFL. Yeah, but at that point, you kind of just have to say, you know, I, I don't know. Congratulations to the Ravens. They're in the history books. You know, I said a bunch of stuff about like it's in their blood or this. Yeah, kind of, like that's know, just kind of who they are or something like that. And I was just kind of so like, they won by sixteen. <laughs> you know, and I just kind of felt like I don't know. It just felt a little. I understand both sides. I understand thinking, taking the and end it, but that's history that they're I trying to. I don't understand accomplish. his side. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm gonna be firm in my stance there. Either way, let's talk about defense. Can we do that? I want to start there. Usually, we, I think we start with offense, but I want to I want to start with our defense. Our defense had three turnovers versus Indiana, four versus Iowa State, and seven versus Maryland. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and Penn State has had one turnover in each of the last three games. So it bodes well. You would think, yes, 
I mean, they've only had one. I don't think they make that many mistakes because they're plus six in turnover margin. So I don't know. That's a pretty good place to be. I know their run game isn't super great. I know that our rush defense is great. And hopefully, if we force them to throw the ball, I hope we can be opportunistic like we have been in the past few games. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it kind of leads into my first key. You know, um, their third down conversion rate isn't great. Um, it's somewhere in the mid thirties, which I think ours is also in the mid thirties. Yeah. I feel like, uh, pretty two, two pretty similar teams, um, and how they're built right now. But one thing, one thing I noticed a lot against Indiana, it was third and 10, third and 10, third and 12. And Penn state was converting. Like mm. you got to get off the field. So that's kind of the key. Get off the field on third down, give the ball back to your offense, give Charlie Jones an opportunity to return it. But you gotta, you, you can't let them beat you in those situations. They were also two of three on fourth down, um, fourth and two. I think he rolled out and he hit uh, Dotson, their star receiver, uh, and he ended up going in for a touchdown. Fourth and one, they got it. They did get stopped on the uh, near the goal line um, by Indiana, but you just got to be able to get off the field. They only went six of sixteen uh, on third down, but third and ten. I mean, that's demoralizing watching. Uh, you know, and giving up as a defense. So as long as we're tuned in, their quarterback, um, Clifford, can scoot a little bit too. I mean, he can, uh, and he picked up some of those third downs. They were man-to-man coverage. Nobody nobody was on him, but we kept Takavaloa in the pocket enough, and he's a lot more mobile than Clifford is. So making sure that we kind of approach it the same way, and hopefully he'll throw to this time we are wearing black, <laughs> <laughs> unlike two of our opponents thus far. Um, so hopefully he can throw to uh, – some of our black uniforms. Okay, so you mentioned the defense getting off the field, and then you said, and give Charlie Jones a chance to return a punt. But will he have that chance? I just don't know, because they have a really good punter, just like we do. And when you said these are two really similar teams, I didn't know that it boiled down to literally being extremely similar in the fact that we have a great punter, we have fantastic defense, and both of our offenses are, I'm not going to say they're struggling because they're not, um, but they're not as... They're overshadowed. Yeah, by the other two. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. But Jordan Stout, their uh, their punter, Big Ten Co-Special Teams Player of the Week last week. So he's been stout. (laughs) Sure. Hey, I'm a dad now. I can make those jokes. It's not a... Not a bad uh, pun. That'd be a pun. Anyway, uh, his average this year over 24 punts is 48 and a half. And Tory Taylor, also Big Ten scope, <laughs> Big Ten co-special teams player of the week uh, after that Iowa State game, his average is 47.3 over 31 punts. So extremely similar in that way. So that, that will be interesting. We'll see if any punts are returned. Well, I think that can be a bit misleading because, I mean, Tory Taylor will make them fair catch inside the 10 and Terry Roberts is forcing more than a few fair catches. <laughs> so even though so he's not getting a roll or anything like that, um, pop quiz, hmm. when they punt the ball. I don't like when you do this to me, but what? Where do they count the punt from? Do they count the punt from where the punter punted it or do they count the punt from the line of scrimmage? I'm going to say there are a lot of things in this world that don't make any sense, especially right now. So I'm going to go ahead and say that they count it from the line of scrimmage because that seems like the least logical thing in my head. That is true. It just makes it easy well, on the stats, people. That's all they're doing. That and similar to passing touchdowns. Yes. You know, I mean, they don't count it from where they release the ball. They count it from the line of scrimmage. Silliness. It's absolutely so, crazy. So, yeah. So actually those punts, those 47.3, it sounds good. 
But add 13 yards to that. Right. And you're at around 60 yards is how far these punts are actually traveling. So I feel like it's a bit misleading. Either way, they're both very good. They are. And we will see. I mean, oh, I just feel like it's going to boil down to who makes the first mistake. Turns <laughs> the tide. And I just don't like it. And I feel like in, on special teams, Charlie Jones could be um, the one that kind of turns the tide with a big punt return. Just kind of out of nowhere. Absolutely. Add that or Terry Roberts just being in the right place at the right time. Dude has a way of finding that. Even on mm -hmm. defense. Gets yeah. an interception last week. He's got an opportunity to make some things happen. Uh, you talk about... Uh, turnovers and stuff. I was talking to Gavin McGrath uh, and he was talking about, I, I wanted to say, he said like 97% of the time that we don't turn the ball over, we win. It's some huh. insane number. Wow. And I don't know if it's strictly like the Iowa quarterback doesn't turn it over or if it's just we don't turn it over. He, he I forget exactly what he said, but yeah, that's an ab abnormally high number. That's interesting. And I feel like... Uh... It's, I don't want to say it's few and far between that Iowa um, turns the ball over. I just don't think it happens that often. I could be wrong there, but it doesn't feel like they do it very often because I think it's drilled into your guys' head. Actually, I know because I've heard it a million times. Good, <laughs> discipline, clean football is what you guys preach and you practice and you go out there and you do, try to do. And you do ball security every single day. Mm. Tell me about ball security. Oh, well, I mean, it's different ways of guys yanking on the ball while you're trying to go through or they're going to throw a pad at you and you got to be able to hold it or they're trying to yank it out of you while you're doing different ladder drills or things like that. Try and punch it. Didn't you have a player that that fumbled a couple of times and they they had him carry a football around campus to classes? Yeah. Yeah. That's one way to do it. <laughs> Don't forget the ball. Don't forget the ball. Let's talk offense. We're kind of already on that right now. Our third down conversion rate, you mentioned this, is very similar to theirs, 36.26%. We're averaging 126 yards rushing per game. Penn State's third in the nation in scoring defense, which is right behind Iowa, who's second. Ew. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. What are we going to do? What's what's the game plan? What would you do? You see, You see Penn State's defense. What's great about them? What's not so great? Where are we going to try to attack? Or are we just going to play typical, clean <laughs> Iowa football? Well, I mean, I it's going to be Iowa football. That. We're going to play Iowa football because that's what we do. Yeah. But you think about, like, we're going to establish the run. Even though Goodson only ran for 66 yards, we still ran it 19 times with him. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're going to get the ball on the ground. And that doesn't include when Ivory comes in and spells him and does different things like that. But I think what we're learning we still don't have an alpha wide receiver, mm -hmm. which means that a lot of guys are seeing the field, but guys like Arlen Bruce are taking advantage of their opportunities. Uh, Keegan Johnson, two weeks ago against Colorado State, took advantage. Arlen Bruce gets involved and, and does some good things. So I think keeping Spencer in rhythm. They did short passes to get him on. Uh, I talked about Charlie Jones' out route, which would have been right on. Um, so Spencer's getting in rhythm earlier in games and i think he's starting to kind of feel it like hey like we can do some things on offense yeah and if he tunes out everybody that's just talking smack i think he'll be all right so the reason i kind of asked that question and what popped into my head as i was saying it is um the patriots tampa bay game mm. and i think you told me this i would have not known this stat off the top of my head but um the patriots only rushed the ball ran the ball three times right yeah, it was Dude, like three think, or four. It was ridiculous. So obviously the Patriots came in with a game plan of like, we're going to go through the air 
and that's how we're going to win this thing, which they almost did. And they did it with a rookie quarterback throwing the ball 40 times. That's insane. That doesn't happen too often in New England. So the reason I'm asking this, um, and I guess what came to my head when I did ask it, is like, do we ever approach a game that way? I think Iowa is so um, based and has a foundation of the balanced football game, right? You always say this, a good run game equals a good pass game. So is that kind of always the game plan and we're going to stick to it? Or do you ever approach it in that way? That's a great question. Um, I feel like we're always right around like 55, 45, 60, 40 run pass, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. The only time that we kind of got away from that was Northwestern last year Mm -hmm. where we threw it, I don't know how many times, and we didn't come away with a win. Um, Not saying that we couldn't have. But that's the only time that I've ever really seen it that jaded towards passing. Okay. Um, but so let's take uh, let's take Maryland, for example. We weren't exceptionally good running the football, but they know we're going to do it, which is why the bootlegs worked. That was my unsung hero, by the way, for Maryland with Spencer's legs, because it's just doing a little quick bootleg. It's a play action. And I think that's one thing that's going to continue to be good. You have to be steadfast that you're going to run the ball. Now, I'm a receiver. Sling it. Sling it all over the place. I don't care. Throw it, throw it every time. <laughs> but I do think having a run game, I'm going to contradict myself. I do think having a run game helps out the pass game, like you mentioned. But that play action game, that's a big part of what we do. And it can kind of lull DBs to sleep a little bit. So I'm going to go way back. Um, back when Tim Tebow was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, they would pass the ball like nine times a game. When he was quarterback, they would run, 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 do a play action. And then he'd hit Eric Decker for like a 45 yard touchdown because the DBs fell asleep. Now that is a combination. Tim Tebow and Eric Decker. (laughs) (laughs) So just saying either way, it's uh, I'm just going to keep just going to power through that one right through. (laughs) Um, But I mean, that's kind of what it is. We're we're not going to be too far one way. Like you said, we're going to be balanced. But Spencer's showing that like if he needs to throw the ball 30 times, he can do it effectively. Now, you mentioned this. I think, I don't know if it was after the Maryland game or pre, uh, one uh, before that, but James Franklin also said that Tyler Linderbaum and his ability to pull and run and get on the edge is what's scary to them. And you actually mentioned that after one of our games that you don't see very often a center pulling, right? So yeah. I just thought that was kind of funny. And I was like, he has to be listening. Well, I'd, I'd like to say two things. Yeah. One, he's clearly got to be listening. <laughs> Two, it's almost like I know what I'm talking about. Kinda. I'm not going to toot my own horn that often, mm-hmm. but it's nice when it gets reaffirmed. I'm still not convinced, but <laughs> almost. You know, it's almost as surprising that I know alignment stuff as surprised cheese can be. Yeah, that was a nice segue. Good job. Um, that's true. When cheese just shows up on your doorstep at any time of the month. And you don't know what cheese it is. You don't know what it is because they send you something different every single time. And it's good every single time. That is from Galena River Wine and Cheese. I talk about it on every podcast because I absolutely love it. I love that it's family owned. It's actually owned by a husband and wife duo, which is perfectly fitting. And it's delicious. If you're ever in Galena, Iowa, make sure you're visiting Galena River Wine and Cheese. Or if you're never in Galena, you can have it delivered right to your doorstep. Cheese, wine, balsamics, you name it, you can have it delivered right to you. GalenaRiverWineAndCheese.com. Check them out. It is surprising, though, that you know anything about the offensive line. (laughs) I'm not going to lie, because there is no chance that your body ever played offensive line. 
actually. No, I didn't play offensive line. I played <laughs> okay. nose guard in like third grade. Okay. And I was good. Uh, sure. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, so I roomed with Boone for, you know, my entire collegiate career. Boone Myers, for those that uh, don't know. Um, played offensive tackle for us, number 52. Big guy, big heart. Ah. Shout out to Boone. Um, LaShawn Daniels. I also roomed with him. I feel like I had six triangle plays. I have to give a shout out to our, <laughs> to our squad. Um, James showed up later. He didn't really live with us. So, yeah. LaShawn and Boone. Anyway, uh, so Boone would often talk about that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> the reason that it's interesting that he knows it, notices that and he made a point to talk about it, because that means his linebackers are looking for it, hmm. which brings me back to the play action. You can pull guys on play action and make the linebackers suck up just enough and you can dink it over the top for like five or seven yards and then have your receiver run with it. I mean, this is where it all comes together. If you have to look at the center to try and figure out what's going on with the play or you're keyed in on the center and he pulls and you want to trigger, that's where we hit you. Because every single week you bring in eight to 10 plays. Some are based on what kind of defense they run. So it's like, okay, they run this funky defense on third and seven. This is how we're going to beat it. Or they run this weird zone. This is where the hole in the zone is. This is how you know we're going to beat what they already do. But then the other part of it is, this is what we do consistently, and now this is how we're going to make it look different. Either we're going to do it out of a different formation, or we're going to make it look the exact same. We're going to make this run play look like we're really hammering it, and then boom, it's play action. Tyler Lundbaum pulls, and then he sits behind the line because we're going to bomb at 80 yards, whatever it is. Those things that show up on tape, that's what leads to an offense being able to do more and more and more. So he also said that their goal, which he's given away his game plan, man... (laughs) is to stop the run and force the throw. Obviously, he doesn't think that we've got an alpha or a very um, dependent or reliable wide receiver core. So who's going to step up? Who are we going to see this week? I mean, Laporte is always up there. But then you've got different guys. Uh, Like I said, Arlen Bruce is starting to make a name for himself. Charlie Jones continues to make great plays. Um, Tyrone and Nico, obviously, I talked that they need to be a little bit more consistent on uh, making the makeables, as KF would say. Again, I had my fair share, fair share of drops. It definitely happens, but it's just trying to make it as consistent as possible. Right. Um, I don't know. I feel like a young guy. I feel like a Luke Lachey. Okay. I feel like he could make something out of nothing. Making something out of nothing. Tell you who does that. The Bales team. You, might think, you might think you don't know what's going on. Contact the Bales team, myself included. It's a group of six of us. We'll help you buy, sell. Any kind of real estate, commercial, residential, you got a lot you're looking to purchase because you want to build on it, we can help you. You got a lot that you just don't want anymore, we'll help you sell it. Anything you want going on, we can help be that for you. Uh, we got all kinds of knowledge and we'd love to help you out. Look them up, the Bales team, urbanacres.com. Well, Matt, it is a big weekend. We've got big noon kickoff. It's going to be over at the Pentecrest. That is starting at 9 a.m. going till 11. Bob Stoops is coming back. Bob Stoops is going to be there. Adrian Claiborne will be a guest on the show. I'm not going to tell you who's going to be guests in game, but we got a lot of people coming out on the field. I'm excited to talk to them. I'm excited to get them inside Kinnick Stadium, get them on the mic. It's going to be fun. Speaking of Fox... I mean, big shout out to uh, Colin Cowherd and Joel Klatt giving us some, giving Kinnick Stadium some props and Iowa Sunsets some Aww. props. Yeah, they said it's romantic. <laughs> I don't like Kinnick being romantic. I like it being like hostile. hostile. Oh my gosh. Jinx, you owe me a soda. That means I can't talk the rest of the podcast. <laughs> uh, anyway, big weekend coming up. I think we covered a lot. 
Hawkeye fans, meet us back here on Monday when we're talking about the 6-0 and Iowa Hawkeyes. You heard it here first. Let's make it happen. Let's roll. Go Hawks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.